0: By the way of introduction, I do want to just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Father God, we're thankful again to be able to come and return to this topic And Lord, as we go through this topic, may we draw from your word the principles of um, a godly character in terms of what it means to be a a man to aspire to, as well as even for some of the ladies here, the men to look for in their life. Lord, may you give us grace to be able to submit to your word. And may we draw from the scripture so that we can be conformed to the image of your son. Thank you for this day. May you give us attentiveness and focus as we go through this message. And may this entire message in our lives be pleasing to you. In your son's precious name, amen. Well, it's great to be back in this series with you. I, uh, I'm thankful that Roger went into his little mini-series about purity, as well as what, how do you know if you're ready. And I think these are all very practical topics for all of us, and particularly uh, those that are still single and waiting and probably looking for some of you. Um, just to think about what it means to be holy. And um, and I'm very appreciative of what Roger was going through in terms of teaching us through that. Now, we're at the very last stretch of our little dating series. Um, and this, is, this message tonight is going to be titled The Man to Aspire To and The Man to Find. And some of you are probably wondering, why didn't we begin with this? Why didn't we lead with the characteristics of what a godly man and godly woman should be, because um, after all, isn't that how we're supposed to be? What we uh, you know, what to be and to look for. And the reason why I want to put this at the end, because usually, whenever there's a dating series type thing in a church, and this is the first thing that goes up, usually the fr- people will look at this list and they ignore the rest of the series. Uh, so, for sake of um, wanting you guys to stay to hear the rest of the series, uh, I decided to put this at the very end. Um, and I trust that uh, this is all part of God's sovereign plan and providence. That you know that the Lord is working through you through all the messages that we've gone through so far. But tonight, and then this is for the men, in terms of what they need to be and what they need to what they want to aspire to be. And next week, we're going to talk about what the women to be and the women to find. So. This isn't to say that for this message, ladies, you can just kind of check out and, not, and then like all the guys are like nervous about this. And I actually noticed just looking at the room, there's more ladies here tonight than there are guys. So it could be that the guys are like scared to hear what, they have to, you know, what the word has to say about what they need to be. Um, I'm just kidding. I hope that the guys are coming in soon. But this, is, yeah, this isn't the time for you to check, it, uh, check out, but it's just for you to at least know what are some of the biblical principles in terms of what to look for in a man. Um, these characteristics are not exhaustive. There's going to be a lot. I mean, I, throughout, throughout this entire process of preparing for this message, I came up with like 15 to 20 of them. But I ended up narrowing down to just 10 because I figured if it, if it gave you too much, that it might be too much for you to handle. So I decided just to go down to 10 that I think are most important particularly for this group. And, um, and just, again, understand as you go through this list, um, these are characteristics that you want to see in your life and those characteristics aren't really true unless they're tested. A person can claim a certain characteristic or attribute, and only and it's only really known if, if that it's true if it's tested. Last was two weeks ago. We had that a lot. There was like that rain in the in the Bay Area, and I've spoken to a lot of you and that have homes, and you're like, oh man, there was this water leaking through here, and even for our place, water was coming out of the walls and windows. And it just revealed just kind of the things that are like flawed in, the, in, our, in, whatever, in our respective homes. And I think that's what character is. It, it's not really character until it's tested. You guys can say that you believe in these things or have these things, but it takes a lifetime of testing for you to be molded into the man that God wants you to be. Again, the danger about a sermon like this is that you see this as like some sort of check, like a checklist, and say, I have this, I have this, I have this, and I, or I have some of these things that you just kind of let it go after saying, I have all 10 of these. I should be completely dateable. But the reality is that you'll never be perfect. These are, that's why I said this is the thing that you aspire to. You want to grow in these areas. You can demonstrate it. You can only demonstrate it as for, to a certain extent, but it. You, know, you want to be on the, at least the right path. You want to exhibit these things, but you're not going to be perfect in these areas. No one is perfect, so as long, you know, if, if you can just at least identify some of these things that you want to work on, that's at least a good start. And if you have some of these attributes and characteristics and just continue to excel and develop these in your life. Again, this list is not exhaustive. I just chose the ones that I thought would be most helpful for you. And in a lot of ways, you can just see this, this is a marks of what a, a mature Christian looks like. Again, yeah, this isn't. This doesn't reveal the heart in a lot of ways because there's no way for us to read the heart. There are a lot of people. If as, as the older, the older you get, the more you'll see that there are sometimes people that could have this seemingly godly attitude and character in the beginning of their walk, but then through some seasons they end up abandoning the faith. So you, there's no way that you can know definitively the other person. Uh, But what you want to do now, if you're a guy, is that you want to work on these things. You want to cultivate these in your heart so that you can continue to grow in Christ-likeness. You should want... And another thing about these type of messages is that you want to be these characteristics. You want to have all of these things, not because you want to find a wife. You should always aspire to these things because you aspire to honor the Lord with your life. You care more about honoring our Savior than to find a spouse, and this is, again, a sad and dangerous thing about these next two messages is because it can be very practical, and you can lie with your actions. And I can't discern that. I don't know the future. But the only thing that I hope is that if you, are genuine, if you are a genuine believer, that you'll continue to strive to grow in Christlikeness. You just want to be these things because you love Christ, not because you want to be a husband or a good boyfriend or anything like that. You want to be these things because you love Christ. Out of an outpour of your love and affection to Jesus Christ, you strive for these characteristics. And ladies, note for you: just because these guys are these have these characteristics now, doesn't mean that they're going to get worse. Or they, and it does mean that they, it can be that they could get better or worse. We don't know the future. Again, as I said before, there are some people that. For season, especially in churches like this, they may love to know things, they may do all the outwardly right things, but as time progress, they just deny the faith. And your responsibility is not to so much guarantee a definitive outcome. There's no way you can know. There's no way any one of us can know. But you want to at least strive to look for someone that have these attributes and pray and hope that they, that the Lord will continue working in their life so that they can be the mature person. Hopefully, if they are a genuine believer, then you can come alongside them by praying for them, encouraging them, and even pointing out sins in their life. But in those cases, you must, first and foremost, be faithful to the Lord. So even if your significant other seems godly now and they deny the faith later, you are still called to be faithful to the Lord. This is actually why I tell people when, I'm pre, when I do premarital, like, premarital is not about what the other person needs to be for your marriage to work. You just need work on your own walk. You need, to, you need to make a resolution in your own life to follow the Lord regardless of your circumstance. The man that you want to be, the man that you're aspiring to be, uh, will never be complete in this life. But it is a worthy pursuit. Uh, first Peter tells us to be holy for our, for our God is holy. You want to strive for these things because you want to be more like our Savior, You'll constantly strive to be the man that God wants you to be. And you'll have moments where you'll thrive and bear a lot of fruits. Yet there, still, there will be moments in your life where you will stumble and fall. But just know that you cannot be perfect in this life. And this is just a process of sanctification. You're growing in, the, in these areas. Again, ladies... Uh, You may think some guys are not worth dating or giving a chance because they haven't reached a certain level of maturity and just understand that they'll never be that mature. They'll never be as mature as you want them to be because as you mature, your standards might be more and more and then they might be different, that they might grow faster or they might grow slower depending on the seasons. But again, as you look at these things in terms of what the man to find, understand that you want to encourage them. They're not gonna be perfect, no one is going to be perfect in these areas, but at least pray for them that they can continue to grow in these particular areas. This message is a list of characteristics and not personalities, and you might be wondering what is the difference between a character and personality? Some believe that, some, some guys and girls are gonna ask, what, what kind of person are you into? And their list, they'll say, oh, it's just these godly characters. And, actually, and then when they list the things, they're actually all just personality traits. So like, I want a guy that's funny, or I want a girl that's, 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 that's funny and, and, and you know cute. So these are all personality type things. Uh, character is something that is, that, that is more, that lasts longer. It's not necessarily a bad thing to have personality, but it doesn't always equate to good character. And for the sake of this message and discussion, here's how I want to find a difference between personality and character. Personality is what you do in life. Character is who you are in life. Personality is what you do. You could be an extrovert, that's what you do. That's, uh, that's, that, might, that might be something you're drawn to, but character is who you are in life. Sometimes they aren't connected, other times they are. Uh, and you need to discern which one are those areas. What is a personality that you can, okay, this is the way the Lord built you versus character? This is what you need to continue to grow in. You must discern your life, which is which. Personality will come will only go, go, we'll only go so far in terms of a relationship. For example, again, if you're funny and you're if you're, you're outgoing, you're charmed, these things are, can be vary between person to person. Characters are things that this person is. That's who they are. Uh, you can be an extrovert and godly. You can be an introvert and godly. You can be a funny person godly. You can be an adventurous person and godly. Uh, or you can be a bookworm and you're godly. Those are you know, personalities versus a character. A lot of people have different personalities, but every Christian should have godly character. A lot of Christians, there can be a vast uh, difference of personalities, but every Christian must aspire to have godly characters. So you can have two different individuals that are opposite in their demeanor, but they can both be viewed as mature and godly individuals. And ladies, you'll need to ask God for wisdom to discern which uh, that the guy that you might be interested in in um, which one is a personality and a character. And fellas, you need to discern in your own life what you need to work on. Either this is, is this a personality thing that you need to work on or is it a character thing. For us as Christians, especially for us men, understand that if it's a character thing, it's, it's going to be foreign to us because in our, when, we're, when we become a Christian, growing, like, growing in Christlikeness is not natural. It's only the supernatural work of the Spirit That makes us strive to put away our old sinful nature. And even in our redeemed state, there will still be constant wrestling with your old self. So yes, you strive to put off your old self and put off sin every single day. You're putting on Christ. And that is a slow process. You must be guided by biblical principles and commands to be mature and to be the man that God wants you to be. You need biblical principles, which is how you think about life in different situations. And you also need the biblical commands, which is the the definitive black and white things, to safeguard you from a life of sin. You need to have both if you want to be a mature and godly man. You need to know the principles to operate in life. And you need to uh, obey God's commandments so you know what is actually permissible in your life and what is not. And that's what a mature person is. They understand and know the difference between the two. And how I structure this message... Is this. I'm going to list the characteristic, then I'll give you the definition. And afterwards, I'll talk to the fellas and explain, like, this is why you need these things, and I'll try to draw from the Scriptures. Then I'll give something a little bit for the ladies and to give you questions so that, in hopes that you can discern and maybe ask some questions either about this person or just think about this person so you can see, like, maybe these things are things that they have or the areas that they need to work on. But it's just, again, give you some tools so you can... Focus on things that matter, which is godly character. So I have ten of these. The first one is this: the the man to aspire, or the first one is, is very obvious. Actually, first you need to be a believer. You need to be saved. Again, what's the definition of being saved? A person that understands their need of salvation because of sin, and the only way that they can be made right is through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, men, this should be the most obvious. If you want to be a godly man, you have to be saved. Uh, but why do I need to emph- emphasize this? Uh, is because is that uh, mainly the most important thing about you is that you love Jesus Christ? Um, do you love Christ and do you want to do the things that uh, that honors the Lord? Or are you just a Christian because you like the like you like to be in Christian circles that it feels safe to be around other believers? Are you Christian because you like being in Christian, uh, being in Christian centers or circles, or is Christ the center of your life? You can't expect to be the God that, the man that God wants you to be if you are not saved. and that's something that you need to think about first. like are you in love with Christ? Is he the one that you desire the most in this life? Because you cannot serve two things you cannot serve math, you can't serve money uh, more than <clears throat> Christ. you cannot serve relationships more than Christ. <clears throat> Your greatest desire must be to live for the glory of God and, and only genuine Christians can do that. If, you want to, if you're going to church, if you're seeking to go fellowship, you're learning from the Bible, all of these things only make sense if you are a genuine believer. You can't expect to be a man of God or the man that God wants you to be if you're not with God to begin with. The first thing you need to do is think about whether or not you are a believer, a genuine believer. You cannot do anything that you can't, your marriage is not going to be honoring to the Lord if you are not a genuine believer. And ladies, this is, again, obvious, should be for, this for you, is obvious. When you think about the man that you want to look for, he has to be a believer. I'll defer back to, you know, the message that earlier about why you shouldn't date non-Christians. And again, I can understand the temptation. Sometimes, just looking at the context of our church, sometimes there are times where there are a lot more guys, and then sometimes there are a lot more girls, and then they'll be like, oh, some of the girls will feel like oh, the, my pool of, of people that I'm interested in is is too small. I, I might ha, I might be more interested in other guys that are outside the faith, and that's not a wise thing to do. You want to discern, and you need to know that the first person, that the first thing that matters most to you as a Christian is you want to aspire, you want to find someone that is a believer. So that's again that's, that's probably the shortest point, but it should be, but it should be obvious that for us that if you want to be a godly man, first and foremost you need to you need to be saved. The person that you want to find, ladies, is a person that is a genuine believer. Second, integrity. So what is integrity? This is someone that's not double-minded. He's honest. He's consistent. If you have your Bibles, you can just jump to Proverbs. I'm going to be jumping all over Scripture just to draw to us um, passages that speak of these things. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his way will be found out. Solomon speaks about how the righteous people, they, they, they have this integrity about them. They, they're walking consistently. Proverbs 11, verse 3, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. Proverbs 19, verse 1, there, and again, there are a lot of these uh, verses about integrity, um, and there's a reason why Scripture speaks so, uh, so, talks about this so much because your integrity is, it's linked to your relationship with Christ. If you, uh, our God is not a God that changes. He doesn't shift in shadows. He is who He is. And if you want to aspire to be like Christ, you need to live a consistent life. And that's what integrity is. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1. Better is a, is a poor man who walks in his integrity than who is perverse and speak in speech and as a fool. You want to aspire to the, be the man that has godly integrity, that you are who you are in every context, uh, that you're not a hypocrite, that you're not putting on a mask, and this is your church mask, and then you go home, this is your home mask, and then your small group this is your small group mask. You are who you are at every single time. And here's just a practical way that you'll be exposed. When you're married or when you're dating, especially when you're married, it will be evident to your spouse very quickly if you are truly a man of integrity. Because you can say right now, oh, I am a man of integrity, I have all of these things, look how consistent my life is, but those things will be tested the moment you're married. You can fake your convictions and discipline when no one else is watching, and you can lie to people, your small group leaders, your pastors about how how you're living, but the moment you're married, (coughs) excuse me, your spouse will know. And not only that, but you have kids, your kids will know. They will see that daddy doesn't live up to what he claims to be, that how come he acts this way when we're around these groups of people, but he acts another way when we're in another group. They will know who you are, and those things will be exposed. The worst thing that you can do for your potential future family is that you live, think, and talk and act one way in one circumstance and live, think, talk, and act differently in another context. Proverbs chapter twenty verse seven: A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him! This is again particularly so if you are a person that wants to have children one day, that you live in such a way, and and your kids will model after your life. If you look at my kids, sometimes I'm surprised at how they talk because sometimes they'll say things that sound like me or Kelly. And it's like, where did you learn that from? They'll use, my, my daughter will use vocabulary that she doesn't even know. She'll say things it's like, okay, that's something only parents would say, like expired food. You don't know what expired food is. You just eat whatever is in front of you. But yet kids, they absorb everything that they see. And if you're a man of godly integrity, they'll model that as well. If you, if you are a hypocrite, then those around you, even your spouse might think that that's actually appropriate believe, uh, behavior. And as a man, you need to live in that way so you can be a role model for your family. You can lead by example in the way that you live. They will see you and they will imitate you for the better or for worse. Proverbs 28, verse 6. Better is the poor who walks in integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. Integrity should matter more to you than what you cultivate in this life. This is what you want to do, man. Ask yourself, ask the Lord to help, to help you be. You know, expose areas in your life that you find like just are inconsistent. You know where where are the times where you find you're less guarded. Integrity doesn't discriminate when it comes to circumstance. You are who you are all the time. You want to be. You want to aspire to have a consistent character. You want to aspire to have integrity. Now, ladies, how do you discern that if you're looking for someone in the church and you're thinking about? If someone's asking you out, well, how, how do you, order, if you're dating them, how would you know that this person has integrity? Again, this is where you need to be wise in terms of, I mean, you can ask other people that, that knows them. You know, like, hey, you're his friend. Tell me about them. Or just, just be observant. Um, you know, you'll see them in different contexts if you spend a lot of time with them. You'll see how what they're like to strangers. Um, how are they around people that are new in the church? What are they like in, in ter- with their closer friends? How are they around their parents? What do they post on social media? You want to be observant, not in a creepy way, but you want to be wise and discerning and just observant and see, see is this guy really who he claims he is? If they don't have integrity in one area in, your life, in their life, there's, there's a likelihood that they will be making compromises in other areas of their life. Men, you need to have godly integrity and know that God sees every area of your life. And yes, and I know all of us are not perfect in that way. And that's why we need to ask God for the grace so that we can be the man that he wants us to be. We want to be like our Savior who loves at all times, who's so patient and kind and, and holy. We want to aspire to those consistent attributes of our Lord. Although imperfect, we, these are areas that we can grow in so, that we can, so the Lord can be honored. So ask God to, for grace to live in upright life and a life that's filled with integrity the third thing that you want to aspire to have is to have control over your tongue and ladies if you're looking for a man look for a guy that has control over their tongue um, and you need to know that control over your tongue means that what you say and also what you don't say uh, a wise and mature christian knows that when to say certain things and when not to say certain things And oftentimes, when we think about taming the tongue, people think about just staying quiet, like don't say anything. But that's not always the case. Sometimes taming the tongue means that you need to use it. You need to be able to speak the truth and love into the life of other people. You need to ask God for grace in how to have control over your own tongue. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3 to 4 The one who guards his mouth preserves his life, the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The soul, the soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. That's actually not uh, the relevant passage. First 3 is a relevant passage You're about controlling and guarding your mouth. And you, you, and you also know the James chapter 3 passage about how dangerous a tongue can be. Uh, some of you, you may need to speak less. Others of you, you need to speak up. And the point is that you have control over the things that you say. Do you have control over your tongue, or does your tongue have control over you? Do you not say the things that you need to say because there's a fear of man? Because that's not honoring to the Lord because you are called to live under the fear of the Lord. He's the one that you live for. So if you're not willing to speak the truth and love to one person, you're not going to speak the truth and love to your spouse. You're not going to speak the truth and love to your kids. You're not going to speak the truth and love to your non-believing family or friends. You need to not fear man and fear the Lord. And knowing that just because you don't say anything, the Lord still you're still accountable for your silence, just like how you're accountable for things that you say. So don't think that you know I'm, I'm like attacking the introverts or extroverts. I'm attacking everyone here. Like you need to be able to discern the right, discern when is the right and appropriate thing to say at the appropriate time. There's a like Colossians chapter three about, or Colossians four about this about the tongue. How it has to be like, like uh, you 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 want to pray for these opportunities to have your speech like seasoned with salt, so you know how to respond appropriately in the right context. That's what a mature person is. Because when you think about your marriage down the line, you're going to have to come, uh, talk with your spouse. And sometimes the best thing to do to keep and cultivate the relationship is not to say anything. And other times you do need to speak up. Especially if it comes to things like confronting sin, you need to speak up. You can't be silent about those things. And in other areas, of it's just preferences, you can learn to just let it slide. Colossians chapter four, verse six, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each other. This is where men, you need to be. Being a a godly man does not mean that you always voice your opinions. It means that sometimes you need to discern which fight is worth fighting for. Some things are not, you just swallow your pride and let it go. Other times you do want to speak up and you may need to at times. Ladies, listen Carefully to what he talks about. When you want to discern, does this guy have self-control? Does he have control over his tongue? Just listen to him. I'm not saying, telling you, oh, this is what a godly ladies have to be quiet all the time. I'm just saying, just listen to what he talks about. Are they only trivial things? Is the only talk about the latest movies and fads and games? And is that the only thing that he excites him? Are there any spiritual thing that he talks about? What are the questions he asks you when he's talking to you or other people? Yeah, this isn't to say that the, that the godly man speaks like you know, King James style with these and thou's and all of that, or that he can't talk about anything else outside of scripture. It's just you just want to just keep a record in your own mind what is it that he likes to talk about most? Because what he loves most in his heart, that's what he's going to talk about most. That's what's going to come out of his mouth. How he talks about things or things about life that, that, that reveals how he views life. If he's someone that's constantly saying things that he shouldn't be saying, then they may indicate that he is lacking self-control. If he never speaks about spiritual things, then there's a chance that he's not really that spiritual to begin with. At the flip side, watch what he doesn't say as well. Are there moments that you think that he should have spoken up and he doesn't want to? Is it because he's oblivious to it or he is just being a coward? Because if he isn't willing to call out sin in uh, in your life or in other people's life, then he doesn't really care about you. Right? Proverbs tells, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend." That doesn't mean you punch him. It's like, "Oh, that's I'm your friend." It means that the, in the way that you confront people, that's because you love them. You want what's best for them. Does he call out sin in your life or in others that he claims to love? In the end, what he said what he, what he, what he, what he, what comes out of his mouth, or what he. Doesn't talk about will reflect what's in his own heart. And men you need to ask yourself, what are you most excited about? What do you love to talk, uh, talk about the most? And what area do you find yourself needing to speak up on as well? You know, there are things that, there are topics that we don't want to talk about, right? Sometimes we just fear confrontation, and that's not the way the Christians should act. We fear no one because we, ha- uh, because we live for the Lord. He's the one that we need to fear. Take stock in what you love most, because what you love most is what you're going to talk about the most. Fourth point: the man to aspire, the man to be. Fourth is a man of prayer. <clears throat> Women, ladies, you want to look for a guy that is that's this, that loves to pray. That he just—I mean, this is going to be the hardest thing to find because it's oftentimes prayer is like a really like, personal thing, and you know, it's away from you. But that is something you want to think about. But here's how I define prayer. Prayer is someone that goes before the Lord to either adore him, confess sin to him, thank him, or pray for the needs of other people. That's what prayer is. You go to the Lord in, in, uh, in, in adoration and in confession and thanksgiving or in supplication. Romans chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 12 <clears throat> It reads, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 tells us, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Philippians chapter 1, verse 4 I'll uh, we'll start from verse 3, Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of God. So it's normal for Christians to pray. Prayer is like the breath of a Christian. For some of you, you're, you are in life support because you don't pray that often. This should be a normal part of a Christian life, not just praying before meals or before and after a sermon. Prayer should be a constant. That's why scripture tells us to pray at all times. We should be praying. And it's not like, prayer is not always like you have to go into your prayer closets or, you, you know, it doesn't have to be in those areas. Praying is any time when you're just communing with the Lord. You know, when you're at work, you're asking God for grace to understand the project. Or if you're in class, you're asking the Lord to give, make you a good, be a good testimony in the way that you study and, and have godly integrity. You're, you're, you're communicating with the Lord. Even prayer in terms of reading scripture, you're just talking back to the Lord. That's what we say when you're praying through the text. You're asking the Lord, you're meditating, that's, that's communing with the Lord. That's what prayer is. Again, this is one of those spiritual disciplines that are hard to do because generally no one sees it. This is a convicting thing for when I thought for me when I think about, you know, in our church we do have prayer meetings throughout the week, and it's usually the least attended. The reason why that is is because most people don't see it. It's not, the, it's not the glamorous thing. It's not like evangelism where you go. even evangelism sometimes people don't really want to do it. People love to go to like all the potlucks. they'll pray there and they'll tell, invite other people. but when it comes to praying on their own or inviting other people to, to church, those are things that are like that, that requires discipline. and it's not an easy thing to do. Usually the more spiritual things are the ones that are not noticeable to outsiders and that's a good thing. You should want to pray because you want to be close to the Lord. We have understand we understand that we are nothing without the Lord. That's why we pray. We we're constantly in dependence of Him. And I use that definition I did for prayer because there are those are the four categories: adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You can really summarize all prayers in scripture in that. Maybe imprecatory might be one the one that's missing. That's like, you know what in means? Like Lord judgment on the, please judge those other people. That's you know, Psalms does that sometimes. Uh, but I guess you know you want to pray for justice and those things to, to be done. But generally speaking, those are the four areas ca- that we generally pray about. Adoration it means you're thinking you're you're thinking how great our God is, and you're praying to Him. The things that you're being taught in His Word, you're confessing your sins, the things that you're you're all the things that you fall short in. You're thanking Him. Thanksgiving. That's like acknowledging that you the Lord providing for you each and every single day to, to for answer prayers or anything like that. Supplication, you're praying on behalf of other people or for other people. Those are four general categories of prayers. There's always something or someone to be praying for. There's always something to be praying for. So when people ask, like, why is your prayer life so weak? It's not because there's not enough things to pray for. It's just because your faith is weak. That's why I say some of you are in life support. You don't pray as much as you should. Now, all of us don't pray as much as we should. This is, again, something that all of us can work on. Now, ladies, the, the, the man that you want to find, he should be a man of prayer. And this is something that's very hard to see. Um, when you get to know them again, eventually you'll see what they pray about. Listen to how they pray. Is it the kind of repetition thing that Jesus condemns? Because Jesus doesn't, is not pleased just because you pray. You pray the same things over and over again. Think about what he's praying about. Does he pray with you? Does he pray for other people? Does he ask you to pray for him? Does he ask you if, if, if there's anything that he can be praying for? You'll find out if this person truly relies on the Lord, especially when you guys are married. you, know, do, you, does, do, you do you notice that this person's spending time in prayer and reading God's word or just praying in general? Prayer is a way to show who you truly trust in. If he isn't willing to pray for others or even for himself, then he wouldn't be praying he, he won't be praying for you or your future family. So again, I know this one might a little bit might be a little bit harder to discern, but at least, think about that this is what a man that you want to have. When you're praying for the guy that you want in the future, the husband that you want, pray that he is a man of prayer. Pray that he's a man that's just, that, that loves the Lord, that's constantly in dependence and reliance of him. Pray for the man that's always confessing his sins to the Lord, knowing that he, because that means that he acknowledges that there are areas that he needs to work on, which would be a blessing to you, because that means that he's trying to grow in holiness. Fifth, the man to be, the fifth attribute is that you want to be a hard worker. You want to aspire to, to working hard. Women, ladies, this is what you want to look for in a man. A godly man is someone that works hard. Here's my definitions. A hardworking person is someone that is committed to the task that he's given to him. He's faithful with the work that uh, that, the, that the Lord has given him. That doesn't mean, this, this, this doesn't just. He's just, he's not a guy that just does the the bare minimum, but he seeks to be faithful at the work that he's in because he sees his work as a stewardship from the Lord. Now I want to define work as either something that you do or or something that you're studying in to hope to, you know, or something that you're preparing for to get a job. So if you're in school, I would categorize that as work. If you're you know you're studying, you're in your college career, that's work. And you want to be faithful there as well. It's not just like only oh, people that are outside of college can date or marry. In fact, I would encourage, you, if you are able to get married at younger, get married younger. You can enjoy your spouse longer in that way. But if you can't, that's okay, too. Again, it's not easy, but it is rewarding, and you won't be able to um, persevere in your marriage and life if you don't work hard. I mean, we've talked about, I think Roger spoke about this last week, about finances. And, you know, we understand that work is important. It's, it's God-given. It, it came before the fall, um, and, you know, God gives them this instruction to, to take care of the land, to be, to work. And, you know, and if we look at godly examples in Scripture, all the godly people that we see in, in, in Scripture are people that are hardworking. Right? Boaz was known as this amazing man because not only did he have, like, fields and everything, but he really took care of other people. He was working hard so that he's able to do those things. Your scripture tells us that we shouldn't, Uh, You know, for those that are stealing all the time, the the solution is not to stop stealing, but to work and to give to other people. You want to be a hard worker. Again, I've I've spoken on this before, but the the Bible doesn't does not speak highly of those that are lazy. And our culture loves laziness because hard work is, by definition, difficult. But yet, the Bible tells us to live differently in the world. Proverbs twenty one, verse twenty five. Desire of the slugger puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. What does this mean? That means if you're lazy, you're going to die. You have no aspirations. You're not working hard. You're constantly relying on your parents to take care of you or the government to coddle you with their Biden bucks. You're not going to live long in this life. Strive to work hard. We know that, You know some of this passage. First Thessalon tells us that if you don't work you're worse than a non-believer. You don't provide for your family. You're worse than a non-believer. Second Thessalonians chapter three verse ten reads: "For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order: If, if anyone is not willing to work, then he, uh, then he is not to eat either. There is a connection between work and eating. You live because you live." Because God will want you to live and how you continue to live is you eat and how do you find food, you work for it. Some of you really need to get your act together in this life. Because you are so lazy. And just I'm just telling you straight up, laziness is not attractive. Like ladies are not attracted to lazy guys. If you are a guy that are lazy, just know that you are a burden to other people and no one wants to marry you. Stop being lazy and get to work. Again, I'm not saying that you have to have a certain profession. I'm not saying that you like that you have to have certain make a certain amount of a month. I'm just saying that if you aren't willing to work, then you're wasting the life that God has given you. Men, you need to work. You need to find a job. And again, I'm not saying what kind of job. I'm just saying that you're willing to work and you actually have a job. This isn't to say how much money you make or the type of title that you have. You just need to work hard and do whatever it takes to first and foremost provide for yourself if you aren't willing to work and take care of another person if you first of all you're not willing to take care of yourself it's gonna be a lot harder to take care of other people and ladies if if the guy isn't willing to work just be very cautious and i would advise you not to sedate them or be with them pray for them for sure but if they are a lazy person you don't want to be with that kind of guy because you're you're going to carry all of the burdens Again, okay, this isn't to say like if, you know, they lost their job or some sort of circumstance that makes it difficult. I get that. That's not the one I'm talking about. I'm just talking about people that are just constantly making excuses not to work, who just kind of just are just a drifter. They go from here and there and have no aspirations to work altogether. Don't look at what they do, but look at their character. Is this someone that works hard? What is his attitude towards work? Are they complaining about work all the time? Are they consistent in terms of discipline of going to work? You know, Do they have a high view of work? Do they understand that their talents and the opportunity they have to work are all given to them by the Lord? These are just areas that you want to look at and the guy that you want. So not only is a, a godly man, the man that you want to aspire to be, is someone that is hardworking, or the man that you want to find, ladies, is that he's a hard worker, But our sixth point is that a godly man that you want to aspire to be, he's missional. He's missional. The man that you want to find, ladies, is that he's someone that's mission-minded. So what does missional mean? Well, he realizes that this life is not their own, but that he is an ambassador for Jesus Christ and seeks to use his life to win other people to Christ. Men, that means that you need to look at your life as a, not, just being, not just a privilege to be called a child of God, but you are indeed an ambassador. You are a representative of the Lord, and you're, draw, and you're asking and want to invite other people to the kingdom of God. This is our mandate here in, on this earth. Matthew 20 tells us to make disciples of all nations. Your life is not your own. It's for Christ, and it's supposed to be used to bring him glory by winning other people to Christ. A missional church is what we want to be, but a missional church will never be a missional church if individuals don't care about missions. We can't be a light to the world if we don't want to be a light. A godly person has godly desires, and one of the greatest and godliest desires for you to have in this life is to be a fisher of men, that you want other people to know how great our God is. Is your life focused on just getting you know, more things and leisure and a higher paycheck? when was the last time you even shared the gospel with someone? Is there anyone in your life, in your proximity, that you are praying for in hopes that the Lord give you the opportunity to win them to Christ? Because if you don't care about other people's salvation, I wonder if you even care about your own salvation. Because if the gospel is so beautiful and rich to you, don't you want other people to know this grace as well? How can you not tell others of the greatest grace in your life? Ladies, the guy that you look for, you need to think, is this guy interested in winning other people to the Lord? Has this person shared with you just people that he's, that he's trying to witness to or, or is there names or family members that, that comes up and he's like, I want to try to win them to Christ. I'm, I'm struggling with how to communicate with them or not, or I feel burdened for them. Does he have any non-believers in his life that he can witness to? Be very careful for a person that does not ha- have that desire. If, all, if only the people in his life are only Christian friends, then that means he's not being a good steward with the life that the Lord has given him. If he has no interest in winning people to Christ, then likelihood he has no interest in winning people to Christ in your life. So you may have non-believing parents. He, he, he may not have any interest in trying to win them to Christ. Or what's worse, even your future kids. He won't want to invest in them that way because he doesn't care about salvation of other people. The man that you want to be Men is someone that is missional. I'm not saying that you have to go travel all over the world and be missionary. I'm just saying that in the place and in the context you're in right now, are there people that you're trying to win to Christ? Are there people that you're praying for? And ladies, look for that kind of man. Look for a person that has that mindset, that's thinking about other people and encourage them to keep trying to win them to Christ. Be missional because this life is short, eternity is long, and people are entering into this eternity every second. Some of the man that you want to be is teachable, and the woman, the man that you want to find, ladies, you want to find someone that's teachable. What does teachable mean? Well, he's someone that is able and willing to either adapt, increase, or even correct their thinking. So, adapt is like you know something that maybe like adjusts a little bit to think more about something, or increase meaning to grow in their knowledge of something, or even correcting meaning to correct and fix something that they're thinking wrongly about. And men, being teachable is not simply just listening. It's just, just mere hearing my, the, the, the thing that's coming out of my mouth or whoever is teaching you. It's, it's, it's thinking about how can I apply this to my life. You must strongly consider if this is something that will make you more like Christ or if it's something that will give you discernment in life. And the first thing you need to do is just your own personal devotion to the Lord. A teachable person seeks to grow in their knowledge of God. Are you like the psalmist in Psalm 119 that's just constantly wanting to, to dive into God's word because he wants to know God? You have to have this personal devotion to the Lord because if you don't have that personal devotion in your private life, you're not going to want to learn about God in any other context. If you want to know what a teachable person is like, a teachable person in their private life is constantly seeking God's word. Let the Holy Spirit be your your main teacher as is your first and foremost look through God's word, and God gives you the mind of Christ. You know, we always say, like, be like the noble Bereans. But did you know that in that context, the Bereans were actually not believers? When Paul was speaking to them, at first they weren't believers. They heard what Paul had to say, and they said, wait, is this guy right? So they looked at the Old Testament, and they said, hey, what Paul is saying is connected to the Old Testament. That's why they're noble. It's because in their, even before they were saved, they were not listening to the Apostle Paul. They, they looked at him. They heard what he had to say. They wanted to know, like, okay, is, he, is, is, he, is what he's saying connected to what the God that we know, which is the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament? And then they realized, no, they're all the same. The God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, and what Paul is saying is, is identical. That's why they're so noble. They even, they, I mean, these people doubted even the apostle until they realized that it was aligned to the word of God. It's good to have a healthy skepticism towards men but not to God's word. People might tell you things that may sound like God's word, but be very careful. You've, and the only way for you to be careful is if you know God through yourself. Seek the scriptures your, yourself. Make sure you guard yourself and know what God's word has to say before, and you be transformed by it. Otherwise, you might be transformed into the image of other people. Ask God to teach you his ways. So first, in terms of being a teachable person, you need to have a desire for private reading and devotion to his word. And second, you need to have, a, a, you, in order to show your teachable, well, you have to have a teacher. You have to have other people in your life to pour into you. There are going to be people in your life that will point out areas that are antithetical to the scriptures, which is what we would call unbiblical, and areas in your life that we would say, you know, just wisdom, which is non-biblical. Do you know the difference between the two? Unbiblical is something that is against the scripture. Non-biblical are things that, you know, is outside of Scripture and just, okay, here's what I would prefer, here's how I would respond to these areas. You need to discern what's different between unbiblical and non-biblical. Know the difference. What is a counsel that's from the Bible and what is a counsel from a person's opinion? Because there is a difference. One is from the Scriptures while the other is just wisdom derived from principles from the Scriptures. Look for the biblical principles and the passages and not just merely the application or outcomes. Learn from people. Learn from other people. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance that people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs 15 verse 22 without consultation plans are frustrated but with many counselors they succeed proverbs 24 verse 6 for by wise guidance you will wage war in abundance of counselors there is victory and Luke, in Jesus, in Luke 14 verse 31, Luke Jesus says the same thing. Like a person, you know, before war, they'll they'll actually get counsel from multiple people, and they have to decide: Is this, are we going to win this war? If not, then it's better that we just not go for this war. There's this wisdom in getting a multitude of counsel. It's wise to learn from other people, because no one person will have all wisdom and knowledge outside of Christ. And also, what what this means a multitude of counsel is not having the same people that agrees with you. That's not a multitude of counsel. That's just called an echo chamber. A multitude of counsel means that you seek pe- uh, you seek people from different maturity levels or even different backgrounds and different um, understanding of scripture so that you can grow and, and figure out wh- whether or not this is the right thing to do. It's good to have a descending voice at times because it helps you identify areas that you may not be aware of. Be willing to find areas where you think you're Thinking is lacking. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus tells us that we essentially become our masters. The disciples will never surpass their leaders. Who your mentors are, that's who you will become, both in terms of their strength and their weaknesses. I think that's why the scripture tells us to have a plurality of elders. Because a plurality of elders means that you have a plurality of perspectives that can help look at a certain case. I just think back last year when the pandemic, when all of our elders were wrestling through the issues of what to do, what can't we do, we all have different backgrounds. We have a medical background, we have people that were other, uh, you know, diff- all these different perspectives to look at this. And it was so helpful to have that because if we only had one view, we probably wouldn't be here because we probably made a lot more mistakes. It's good to have a plurality of elders and a plurality of counselors in your life so you can gain the strength of everyone so that the weaknesses can be covered by other people. Are there people in your life that you that, that can help give you a descending voice as well as affirm the things that are right in your life? I'm thankful for the, the counselors I have, the elders, because I can talk to, the, to each of them. And they may give me different counsel. and In the end, I can see like, okay, this is where I'm lacking and this is where I need to grow in. It points out areas that I can't see because I could only see a certain amount of vision and things in life, and the elders and others in, and others in my life can point out those things. It's good to have those things because you know that means that they care and they love you. Learn to have other people and be teachable, ladies. At some point, you'll either witness this person be confronted with the word of God or. Um, or even you might even ask, does this person have mentors in his life? Who's pouring into him? You know, does this person have someone that like, guides them and shepherds them? And Why doesn't he? Is it, does he not have someone in his life because he doesn't want to be corrected? If he doesn't want to be corrected, that might mean he's not teachable. How that person responds to counsel well, is a good sign to see if they're teachable. Okay, I'm not necessarily saying that this person must put, be some sort of pushover. I'm not saying that if, if, some, if he's, like, rejecting some sort of counsel, that means that he's automatically not, unteachable. I'm just saying that does he at least process it? Is he thinking about it? Is he even acknowledging areas that, yeah, maybe I was wrong in this way of thinking? That's what you want. You want someone that is teachable. Are they willing to seek counsel when, the, when you ask them, hey, uh, how did you think about this? Are there multiple people that they go to? Are you one of the people that they go to to help them see, like, hey, what's, you know, what am I missing in this? Is, this? is this man willing to seek counsel if they think that their course of action is sinful? And are they willing to change if it is sinful? Are they willing to at least think about it as, like, a preference? Or how do they respond? Are they instantly dismissive? Are they, is there always this excuse that, like, oh, I know I'm right. Like, everyone else is wrong except for me because that's not a teachable person. Because if they're not teachable to other people, they're not going to listen to you, or he's not going to listen to you. Is there always a justification for why they don't need counsel, or that they don't need to change, or they're open and humble enough to, to have people point out their blind spots. You want to find someone that is hungry for God's Word in their own private life. They, you, know, you, know, you can ask them, what are you learning in Scripture? And that's a good thing. That's a good question to ask. What are they learning in Scripture? Because that tells you that they're devoted to studying God's word. Now, if they're saying the same passage, that, that might be something to worry about. They, I mean, it's good to meditate on one verse, but if they're only, if it's very shallow, then probably means that they're not spending that much time in God's word. Um, you want to find someone that's just always learning, that's always hungry for the word of God because that's what's going to sustain the man. And, ho- and, and hopefully as he grows in his knowledge, he can help sustain you in your walk. the man to be the eighth points we have a few more the, the eighth point is this the man that you want to aspire to be men man is you want to be someone that's sacrificial the woman the man that you want to find ladies is he you want to find someone that is that that, that that's sacrificial and how, what and by that i mean this to place others needs above their own even if it means it costs them to place others needs above their own even if it costs them. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to another in honor. I I love, actually, the ESV translation where it says, outdo one another in showing honor. It means that... It's not like a, com- like a competition, like, oh, I'm going to do, you do one nice good thing, I'm going to do even greater thing. It's not that. That's, you know, that's almost like a sinful, prideful thing. But just that you're always striving to care for the other person. You're willing to lay down your life for the others. We know Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Be willing to expend yourself. This is the model of our Savior. He came and was willing to lay down his life for his friends. And that's what John chapter 15 verse 13 tells us about how what makes a good friend. John chapter 15 verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friend. That's true sacrifice. True sacrifice isn't isn't sacrifice without pain. Whether that's taking time out of your life to care for some, whether it's taking out money to care for some, uh, or whatever it may be, that's expending yourself. You're willing to give up yourself for the other person. Why? Because that mo- that's a model of our Savior. He is like that. Paul talks about that to the church. He's willing to exhaust himself and expend himself so that people can know Jesus Christ more. And this is, a, this is what you want to be, men, you can't keep focusing on your own preferences and your lifestyle and your comfort. You have to be willing to give those things up to care for your spouse, because that's how our savior is. You were called to lay down our lives for our wives, just like how Christ laid down his life for the church. So you need to think about yourself. Like, are you willing to give up things, giving up your time and resources and comfort for the sake of bettering other people? You can work on that now. Some of you are doing this, and that's great. Some of you need to repent of your selfishness because you're thinking about yourself too much. Be willing to expend yourself for the glory of God, because it shows us who our Savior is. Ladies, don't necessarily look to see if they're willing to be sacrificial towards you alone. It's like, oh, he's so romantic; he's willing to do all this for me, and like no one else. That that means that he probably doesn't. I mean, that's not a genuine sacrificial attitude. You to look at his life. Is he willing to do it for everyone? Does he have this consistent love the way that our Savior has this consistent love? See how far he's willing to go to those who, who he's not close with. What attitude does he have towards caring for outsiders or those that are outside his normal circle of friends? If this guy is only sacrificial towards you, be very careful because he might only be sacrificial to get you. If he's willing to be sacrificial. For everyone, then you know that he is someone that is that loves the Lord. He understands the sacrifice that the Lord ha- has done for him and for all of us. You want to be a godly man, be sacrificial with your life. The man to be number nine is he's a, he's disciplined. He has discipline. The man that you want to find, ladies, is he, he is someone that is that has self control or discipline. And the definition is that someone that has self-control over his thoughts and actions. That's what a disciplined person is. He has self-control over his thoughts and actions. This is one of the fruit of the spirits, right? That's one of the fruit of the spirits, that you have self-control. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. This is Paul, and he speaks of, Growing and not necessarily growing, but like competing and, and serving and ministering, he describes this way Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we it imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as without Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul understands that. That in order for him to be a faithful pastor and an apostle, he has to discipline his body. He knows what to say no to and say yes to the right things. A godly person has discipline. Titus... Chapter 1, verse 8. Um, this is in the qualification of elders. But hospitality, uh, hospitality loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-control. Titus chapter 2, verse 2. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in speech, in love, in perseverance. There's a sense of where he's, he's temperate, he has, he's dignified, he has self-control. To so have Self-control means that you're not mastered by anything and you know we can argue about Christian liberties like whether it's a TV show or food, you're saying no to, you know when to say no, you're not being controlled by those things because you're a disciplined person, you don't let things get out of hand you're ultimately not mastered by anything other than Christ now here's a way to test for some of you and this is not me judging you but just know that this is something I'm working on too how are you with your alarm clock do you dictate who gets up or do you hit the, or the snooze button? You know, do you hit the snooze thing? Do you, do you, are you willing, to, are you, do you have the ability to say no to your flesh? That's what a disciplined person is. They know when to say no. They know like, I'm not going to stay up this late or I am going to wake up this early. I am going to make time for God's Word. I am going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to be there on time. You make these commitments because you're a disciplined person. If you're not disciplined, then it's going to show in other areas as well. Ladies, this is the kind of man that you want to look for, that you get to know him. Just look at how he spends his time. Is he someone that has order, that's orderly? Again, it doesn't mean that he's perfect in every area, but at least you look that he's striving to live a disciplined life. What controls this person's time? Is it circumstances? Is it people? Is it entertainment? Is it laziness? Do they say no uh, to the right things? And, or do they even say no to good things but say yes to the best things? You know, is this someone that has discipline? Find someone, or be, be that guy that has self-control, that can beat his body into submission. And ladies, find someone that has that type of self-control, because if he's not self-controlled now, he's not going to be self-controlled later. If he, he's just, again, not perfectly. Just, just look to just see, does he have even small glimmers of that? If he does, that's good, and I just continue praying that the Lord will keep working at them so they can be more disciplined. Verse 10, this is the last one. Uh, the, the man that you want to aspire to be and the man to find is that he's a churchman. And by that, it means that he's someone that's committed to the church. He's committed ultimately to the Lord and how he shows his commitment to the Lord is that he loves to be with the body of Christ. Men, you must see the importance of being at church you must see the importance of, of being and and ministering to those to your brothers and sisters it will look different for some of you depending on your context that you're in I understand that but you must be willing to commit to the local church it's not just simply showing up on Sundays and Fridays and calling that as commitments but it's, it's committing throughout the week you know are you do, are the people that you're praying for the people that you're you're making time to visit again you have to discern how that works out and play out in your life but you do these things because you're committed to the local church. You want to be with the body of Christ because heaven—I mean, the church—is really a small taste of what heaven's going to be like. Do you, do you find yourself needing to be more intentional when you're here at church or when you're serving? Roger is going through the one another. You want to—you want to look at those one another's because you can't do the one another unless you're committed to the church body. Are there people in your life that you're caring for? Can all the one another's that you see in Scripture are designed for people that are committed to the church? Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another, right? That's that's the one another passage uh, Romans chapter 14 verse 13 therefore let us not judge one another anymore but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way this is you know how can you do that how can you remove the stumbling block by actually being in their life and knowing what's uh, what's good and bad for them verse 19 of the same chapter um, for, so then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another um, again these are just the one another passages Uh Romans chapter 15 verse 7. Therefore accept one another just as Christ also set us to the glory of God. Again, you can't accept other people if you're not committed to one another. Ladies, this does not this this is the person that you want to find. Is he committed to the church body or is he flaky? Does he always make excuses not to be with people in the church? Because if you love the Lord, then you also love the people of the Lord. You love your brothers and sisters. And if he doesn't if this person does not care about your fellow brother and sisters, then chances are he probably doesn't care about you either. You want to find someone that's, that that desires to be with the church. And in that way, that's how you know that even when you have your family, that they're committed to the church as well. Does he have any desire to be with the people, to serve the people, to be with the brothers and sisters? Or does he feel like fellowship is just a burden to them? Because if he's Because if it's a burden to him, that tells you that He has a very low view of the church, which is what the the Lord has established. That's a very dangerous thing to have, to have a low view of the church, the thing that Christ died for. We are the church of Christ, and we have to be willing to commit to one another. Now, if you look at this list, again, this is not an exhaustive list, and in fact, this list goes both to men and women, but I do want to stress and draw a lot of application towards you men because you are called to be leaders. You're, a lot of you are going to be the future elders and deacons, or some of you are deacons, but future elders of the church. You want to strive to grow in these areas because you want to be faithful and be found faithful. If you look at this list, uh, and you have these things, continue to excel in these areas. But if you are lacking in any of these things, this is an area where you you need to really see, like, okay, I need to repent in these things. You want to do it now, not like, okay, once I find a spouse or anything like that. You need to constantly pursue these things and aspire to these things because ultimately, again, it's because you love Jesus. Again, all of these things are just attributes that should be familiar to all of us because these are all things that the Bible tells us to be like Christ. The list of of these things are things, again, that you're aspiring to. You're not going to be perfect in these areas. And if there's any area in your life that the Lord's convicting you in that you need to work on, that's great. Praise the Lord. Work on those things. And ladies, pray for the men in the church that they will aspire to these godly characteristics. Ladies, look for the men that ultimately seeks Christ and seeks to want to be like Christ. Don't look too much at their outer appearance or their personality. These things aren't, again, they're not inherently sinful. But don't sell yourself short by looking and praying for a man that isn't godly or mature. Men, as you look at your own life, aspire to these things. And remember that you want to aspire to these things because these are all characteristics that mirrors our Savior. Aspire to these things. You want to look like Jesus. And you want to glorify the Lord. Ultimately, in your life, again, okay, don't do this to be don't don't try to do these things for men pleasing, because that's sadly what happens sometimes. Guys will look at a list like this and they'll say, "Well, I have all these things. I still cannot find a wife. So why pursue these things?" Now that's the wrong attitude. The reason why you're doing these things is because you understand the value of our Lord, that you want to aspire to have these things because we're called to be like him. Again, it's a very easy temptation to look at this list and think, I have it all, so I should be marriageable. Not necessarily. The Lord may not have that for you, but are you still going to pursue these things even if the outcome is not what you want? Be the man that God wants you to be. Seek to be like Christ. In every area in life and you will become the man that God wants you to be in every realm whether it's singleness whether it's dating whether it's marriage or fatherhood these ca- characteristics transcend the, the current circumstance you're in because that's what you want you want to be a godly individual and have godly character and have godly integrity regardless of the state that you're in and ladies look for men look for the guy that has these things, or pray for a man in your life that has these attributes, or at least striving for these things. Okay, they're not going to be perfect, uh, but at least if they're trying, then, they're, then that person is someone that you want to at least consider to pro- potentially be your husband. I'll end again by reading First Corinthians chapter 16. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do Be done in love. Let us pray. Father God, we know that we all fall short. In our commitment to you, in our private devotion, in our prayer, in in, in our prideful attitudes, we know that we're not where we need to be. But Lord, we do want to be the man that you want us to be. We know that it's only by your working in our life. And we ask that the Holy Spirit will convict us in hopes that we can be the man that you want us to be. Hopefully, again, because we love you, not for any other motive. May you cause our our motives to be right and pure in your eyes, that we want to be changed to the image of your son because we love your son, Lord. And Lord, for the ladies here, may you give them discernment and wisdom as as some of them might be thinking about marriage and how do they know which man to find. May you give them the grace to see um, the people that may be in their life who maybe are pursuing all of these things and more. Um, and pray that they find someone that ultimately does want to be like you and that can encourage them to be more like your son. Lord, be with us. May we be content in whatever circumstance we're in and may you receive all the glory in our life. I pray these in your son's name. Amen. I think we have some discussion questions. So Usually, it's like the same question that we give to everyone, but now I decide to split this up between men and your groups. Here's the question that you have, and ladies, yours, your questions are slightly different but similar in terms of just looking at the 10 things that we have. We look at so for the men, of the 10 characteristics of the list, are three areas that I can work more on this week? So when you think, of, so when you have your groups, you know, tr- uh, try to think about those list of the things on this list and I ask them hey can you keep me accountable on these areas whether it's like private meeting time those groups that you have you want to be able to utilize it maximize it you know have them be your accountability partner or something i know some of you guys are doing that but you know this is something that you can at least uh, keep each other accountable on and then yeah so how can i practically grow in them in this coming week ladies for you of the 10 characters on this, like, on this list, which areas that I can grow in personally? And, how, and then the second question, how can I be more mindful of these characteristics in the guide that I may be interested in? Again, Some of you might not be, uh, some of you might be struggling in terms of what kind of guide to look for, and then you want to, like, again, hopefully the questions I gave you, it will just be some side, of, like, like, a, like some tools for you to be able to discern that and just ask yourself questions if you're thinking about pursuing someone. And all these things are, just principles that you can try to apply in hopes that hopefully you'll find someone that is that ultimately loves the Lord and can love you the way that Christ wants him to love you. Okay, that's it.